everyone, welcome back to another episode of Slowly Explain It. Oh, right. <laughs> Two more time. <laughs> no, we're leaving this in. <laughs> okay. Anyway. Uh, I want to tell you about something. Okay. And this is near and dear to where we live since it's California and it's always like drought. So I was curious, like, what are the ways that California could get some water, you know? Um, and like, it's kind of a silly question if you're if you're not prepared for it, because it's like the entire ocean is made of water and it's like right there. So why can't we use that? But it's salt water. Yeah, there's a lot of reasons for that. So uh, it turns out we can only really use fresh water for most things. Um, and there are good reasons for that, too. Uh, but how, like, then the next question is, well, like, how do you get fresh water? Um, and it turns out, like, there are a few ways to do it, and, and I found that kind of interesting, so I want to talk about them. Cool. The first one, uh, is to get water straight out of the air. Um, and it's not like rain, like, you don't just wait for rain to happen, because rain never happens, apparently. Um, and this is to actually pull the humidity out of the air. Uh, and this happens anytime you run an AC, which is interesting enough. Uh, so when you turn on the AC, you get coils that get really cold and water will condense out of the air and onto those coils. And so therefore you can capture that, um, and you get water. Uh, this needs the humidity to obviously not be zero. Uh, but generally speaking, the humidity is never really zero. It's always like 10% at the worst. Um, so there's always some water to pull. Uh, you just need energy to do it. So what they, what people have built are these solar panel-like things which use sun energy uh, to basically run half of an AC, uh, the part that gets cold at least, to make some really cool coils that will then have water condense on them so that way you can collect that water and you have drinkable water. Right, and and like you said, like you can collect water from the AC. It, it actually happens to us too because the way our house was... I think that's how most AC uh, system work is that for our central AC, the water goes into the, some sort of pipe and then it just drains out into our one of, in the sinks around into our, the sewage line, yeah, into the sewage line. But what happened was at one point our AC broke and the water was just was not draining at all into the sewer line, and it was actually just sitting there and it, it started dripping through our AC vents. So what we then did is was we climbed the roof because that's where they decided to put our gigantic AC system. We climbed the roof and we cut the pipe that normally would lead to the sewer. It, then we attach a pipe that extended to the side of the house and we have a bucket. And mm-hmm. now we've been using that water to water our plants. Yeah, and it's not like an insignificant amount of water either. Like mm-hmm. uh, if we run the AC for a few hours a day, we get like two to three gallons yeah. of water and it's pretty dry here last I checked. So yeah, and since a we have a uh, pretty good testimonial. <laughs> yeah, a water conservation, especially in LA during the summer, we're not allowed to water our plants for the most part of the week. We only get one or two days throughout the week to water our plants. So then now we have AC water to water our plants. So mm-hmm. it kind of worked out for us. Yeah. And you might think like, hey, two gallons, it's not very much. Well, it turns out you can water a lot of plants with two gallons of water. Yeah. Um, it's it's not, they don't need very much. So you just basically need to make sure the soil is moist uh, so the roots are happy. 
Um, so yeah, that that's like one way, and it's a legitimate way that people can harvest water from seemingly nothing, right? You don't ever think of the air as being a, a big supplier of water, but it turns out it can be, especially in places where it doesn't rain very much, or you don't get very many clouds uh, to hope for rain. Um, there's always some water in the air, and you can make use of it. Uh, so that's that's way number one. Way number two, uh, which also like might seem like completely foreign and antiquate, antiquated uh, to no, most people, is to dig a well. Uh, so we usually think of wells as these big structures with like a bucket that you lower, and then it like picks up water, and then you lift that bucket back up. But actually, what a modern well is is a pipe that goes very deep into the ground, um, and you're usually wanting to go deep enough where you're hitting the water plane, basically where there's always water uh, in the ground, so that way you can just use a pump to pump it back up. Um, and assuming that you are using this for like a reasonable amount of this, you will generally never run out. If you start using it for like agricultural means, then you can drain this reservoir of water and you'll have to dig deeper to like get more of it. Um, and then there are a bunch of laws around like, like the safety of that water because there can be chemicals mixed in. So it's like, do check with your, your local res, uh, your local laws and regulations if you decide to like consider this. For a bit of context, uh, we looked at it here just out of curiosity, and we would have to dig a hole 300 feet deep for it to be like meaningful, uh, which is pretty darn deep uh, for uh, for water, um, especially. Uh, if you want to pump it. So uh, most places, this will not be that deep, but most places have like regular rain and stuff. And that's what fills up that reservoir. So um, I'm, also, I'm also assuming just because you dig deep doesn't mean it's guaranteed, you're guaranteed to have water, right? Like, oh, there's no guarantees at all. In some places you dig five feet and you're, you literally have water right there. Uh, over here and where we live, it seems to be around three, 250, 300 feet. Oh, wow. Um, but there is a guaranteed, like, plane, and that's, like, past the 1,000, 2,000 foot mark. So at an industrial level, we can tap into, like, these deep, deep, deep reservoirs of water, um, that can satisfy the needs of, like, a city, but you're digging very far down for, for something like that. Um, so that's something... Uh, to consider, I, I would say the water at that level is most likely not from the mountains. It's probably from the ocean diffusing into the land, if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't, I'm not an expert, so don't, like, that one comes with an asterisk of, I don't actually know, that's just my hypothesis. Uh, it would have to be tested, and I don't have the resources to test it. Uh, so therefore, uh, take that with that huge grain of salt. Um, so yeah, we, we covered two ways, uh, from the air, from the ground. Why not from the ocean, right? As you said, there's salt in it, but like, surely we have the technology to combat salt, right? You would think. Isn't that isn't that what we learn in in grade school about like how we get rain and precipitation? Isn't it mostly from the water evaporating from the ocean, and then it creates crane, and then we go cycle, right? So mm-hmm. that's how we've been getting water, no, from mm-hmm. the ocean. Yep. Yeah. So you can take water, you can boil it capture that steam basically and you have drinkable water that takes a lot of energy it turns out so people have been trying to see well where's like a a middle ground where we can spend some energy um but we don't have to spend all the energy to like boil 
a lot of water because it turns out it takes a lot of energy to boil. Wouldn't you get even salt just pots. out of it as well? You get water steam to use as water and then salt to use for seasoning. Yeah. Uh, turns out we have no problem getting salt. So like we don't we don't want extra salt. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah, like... you'd think you'd think it's like oh this is this is great we'll get water and salt. Yeah. Uh, like people in the, in the faraway lands of uh, of the of the zero year zeros uh, they really wanted salt uh, and we have tons of it. Let's just, we're we're good. Uh, but turns out we have tons of salt, so we really don't need more salt. <laughs> um, so that that's like one thing. Uh, there are processes to once again get fresh water out of salt water. They usually involve big pumps and big filters. So you're basically filtering the water quite literally um, and getting fresh water out the end, other end of that. However, it takes a lot of energy to still do that. Um, like you would think that oh, like maybe that uses less, but no. Uh, there's some fancier ways of doing it with osmosis. Uh, so basically osmosis, if you'll remember from, uh, early school biology is you basically have two reservoirs of a solution and a thin membrane in between. Um, and that thin membrane will allow certain things to equalize either, uh, the concentration of certain minerals will like naturally diffuse to like, like in, in the direction of the gradient of like to make sure that the salt levels are the same and stuff like that or the opposite if you can't move the salt then you have to move the water um so that's what people do they they create a setup that allows them to pull the water out of the solution of salt water and you're left with brine water um and that's like the the top of the line um solution for like large-scale city-wide desalination um, once again, takes a lot of energy and you have a second problem. You end up with a lot of salt water, like very, very salty water to the point where like stuff floats in it. Um, and like everything dies in it. Uh, so you have to put that somewhere and you might think, well, we'll just put it back in the ocean. That's where we got it from. Uh, it turns out that water does not really want to mix very well and just kind of sits wherever you put it. So you end up making a bigger and bigger lake within the ocean of, this death water that nothing can live in. Uh, and that's bad, turns out, for the environment. Like, people don't like that. Uh, and the animals don't like that. And it's or the earth doesn't like that. So uh, that's not great. Uh, so for, for those efforts of desalination, like, we still have lots of problems to solve. Namely, where do we put all this brine solution? We can't just make pickles with it. Uh, it turns <laughs> out people don't want salt. Um, so we're kind of just stuck with it. Um, like maybe one solution is to just evaporate it and just have salt and just make a mountain of salt somewhere. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's not, it's not great. Uh, then there's this really cool technology that some researchers at MIT, like just finished talking about back in April. Uh, we'll be sure to put a link to their, to their article on it. Uh, but they basically have a briefcase sized mechanism that runs completely off solar and it just has a very simple pump that will pull water from like the ocean and pass it through this mechanism which has a series of charged plates and if you have taken some chemistry classes you'll know that some molecules are charged and others are not right so what happens is as water passes by these charged plates the charged parts in the water go to one side and the non-charged parts go to the other 
like as a, in the most simplistic way. I'm sure it's more complicated. Uh, but what this means is without using pressure, like you don't need a big pump for this. You just need a pump to circulate. Um, and without using filters, you don't need to like do a lot. You can go ahead and have a system that doesn't like build up and cruft that you're filtering out um, and allows you to get drinkable water by the end of it that's free of pathogens and all other stuff. Um, and it will just basically like drip. It's, it's briefcase sized. Once again, it's not house sized. Um, but this system can bring drinkable water to places that water is seemingly right there, but it's still like a desert and it never rains and you're never going to have mountain runoff. That's going to give you natural spring water. Um, so that's like the, the final solution, which I thought was like really cool because that does not really have the problem of creating tons and tons of brine because it's on an individual basis. Like it's just what you need for yourself kind of thing. Um, and it allows you to get water, which is pretty neat. And this is the part where I follow up with a fun fish fact. That's <laughs> nothing to do with fish, but all right. So uh, we, we were at the, at, at the Petco's uh, recently, uh, shopping around for turtle aquariums. Uh, and I don't know if you noticed, but there's usually a corner of the store, which is like freshwater fish and saltwater fish. Do you know what the difference between a freshwater fish and a saltwater fish is? One's been pickled and the other isn't. Nope. Uh, so this basic, certain fish can survive in freshwater and certain fish can survive in saltwater. And, and some, some can do both. Yeah, some do both. Some live like half their life in salt and then move to freshwater and something like that. Uh, but the reason why some fish are tuned to live in saltwater and some in freshwater is because of osmosis. Uh, it turns out their bodies have been calibrated through generations of them, uh, them breeding with each other, uh, evolution. Uh, they've been carefully calibrated to work well in the environment where there either is salt or there is no salt, meaning that if their body has a high saline content, then their body is naturally going to absorb a lot of water from their environment unless that water also has a high saline content. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. uh, so if you put a freshwater fish and and if you take a saltwater fish and put it in fresh water, it's going to get naturally bloated just from all of the water suddenly entering their body and wanting to like be part of it um, when the, the fish does not want that at all. And likewise, if you take a freshwater fish and put it in salt water, it's going to be dried out because it has none of it has none of the salts that a saltwater fish would need to survive in that environment. So unless the fish has like evolved uh, a certain adaptation mechanisms to survive both, uh, they really need to be in their happy place of a certain salinity, a certain temperature. Otherwise, the fish just is not gonna not gonna survive. So yeah, that's that's my fresh. That's my fish fact for today. <laughs> cool. Thanks for listening, everyone. Awesome. You should you should chime in with any questions you got uh, by tweeting us to us on Twitter at Lin and Dimichan. So that's L I N H A N D D I M I C H A N. And yeah, let us know if you have any questions, and we'll love to look into it. Cool. Bye. Bye.